You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, it is really hard to get everyone aligned around these strategies for co-diagnosis when it comes to perio, early treatment, and patient engagement of what happens in hygiene. Well, today we help you with a framework. These conversations are critical to helping your patients get healthier. And when you can get everyone aligned, it changes the game for your team and your patients. We bring on Angela Heffman, one of our amazing coaches, and we show you how we coach dental teams to do this better. Make sure you guys listen up. I know you'll enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I love this because I get to bring great educators, great coaches, great thinkers, great teachers to you with great information to help you improve your practice and your life. And today we're going to be talking about one of those things that's very difficult in your practice. It's the 50 shades of gray, the whole strategies for co-diagnosis, early treatment, and patient engagement of perio disease. Do your patients have perio disease? Some people say no, but I don't think that's true. And the better we are at communicating, identifying, co-diagnosing, and Talking with our patients about this, the healthier they become. And I've got a special guest, Angela Hethman, who's one of our brilliant coaches here, is going to walk us through this. So, Angela, thanks for being on. I always appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Kirk. Yeah, I love this. Now, here's what's really cool, you as a listener. <clears throat> we talk with dentists all the time. So, basically, if you don't know what we do, we're a coaching company. So, we coach dentists and teams all over the country and we love helping them make progress with the care that they provide, their alignment and how they discuss things, and overall just making progress. And so, Ange, you do this day in and day out. Let's talk about the why. Why is this such an important topic? Before we hit the go button, you said, I talk to dentists and their teams about this all the time. Why? Let's talk about the why before the how. Well, the reason I love talking about this is because I'm a hygienist at heart. That's my background. Um, I spent many years in the trenches um, talking to patients all day long about their periodontal disease. And 
The hardest part, in my opinion, it was really easy to diagnose if a patient's super healthy, if their gums are, you know, pink, firm, stippled, all the all the terms that we learn in dental hygiene school. And then it was really easy to diagnose patients that are have really advanced periodontal disease. You know, we can do scaling rib planing, we can send them to the periodontist, but it's that, you know, the shades of gray in the middle, the 50 shades of gray in the middle is where we get hung up as dentists, as hygienists. And so getting really clear on how are we treating those patients in the practice. Yeah. And what you're saying is absolutely true. In all fairness, let's start with the hygienist. If I'm a dentist and I'm communicating with my hygienist and the hygienist, you, if you're listening, you know that I don't know what you're talking about. You come in here and you go, and you take all these courses. One of the key pieces of making this work is making sure that we have a common language, a mutual understanding. We've got a shared philosophy, um, on how, where we're going with patients. And Ange, I'll even share this. You work, you've worked with me a long time and we were talking about some marketing before this. And you said, well, you don't stress me out that much anymore, but you know, (laughs) you know, when I'm off, it's like, there's, there's a lack of alignment in what I want to see and what's happening. And that's true for a dental practice, right? Uh, So I want to start by telling the dentist, don't get upset, just become curious and fascinated on how we do this together. Can you speak to that gap between what the dentist sees and what the hygienist hears? Sure. And that's really important that you mention is a lot of times we we figure this out over time by working with each other and just seeing, you know, well, what does the dentist say or what does the hygienist say? But if we actually plan on calibrating (laughs) from the beginning of how are we going to treat these patients? How are our conversations go? Then that helps it go a lot faster um, and gets the patient better care too. So spend time with your, with your hygienist or spend time with your doctors in figuring this out too. Yeah. And we use the word mindset a lot, you know, your mindset as a team, as clinicians, as individuals has to be super clear. And so talk about shifting the mindset of the team and why that's important. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really important, I think, to start with um, figuring out the language you guys are going to use when you're talking about periodontal disease. You know, everybody needs to be using the same language, using the same visuals, um, you know, understanding that we're going to go through like a co-diagnosis with the patient, doing intraoral photos. And we have to really figure out how we're going to diagnose and talk to our patients before we start talking about treatment at all. Yeah. And then what about the staging and the grading? You know, so periodontal disease, if not clearly defined, has different meanings. We get into this big conversation. And so I think we we need to really understand the staging and the grading, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And that's changed over the years. Um, back in, I think it was 1999, they did a staging and grading. And then just recently, a couple of years ago, they updated that and made it a little clearer for us all to understand. And so you know, if you can get really clear when you're looking at, so so it's funny, sometimes I talk about um, the mouth and then the patient. <laughs> so it's really easy to kind of diagnose the mouth. Um, and then it gets a little bit more complicated when the patient comes into it. And then we have to think about, oh, how are we going to communicate? How are we going to explain? How are we going to co-diagnose and everything? But, but you're right, Kirk, like first we just have to 
kind of think about if if this mouth walked in, what would the appropriate care be for this pocketing, this bone loss, everything that we're seeing? So if we can get really clear on that using staging and grading and very objective criteria, then we go into the second part, working with the patient a little bit easier if we're yeah. completely aligned on that part. Absolutely. So I'll give you a little homework to do. And Ange, tell me if you agree with this. If you're a dentist listening, you're like, I need to improve this. I would highly encourage you to create a Google slide deck or a PowerPoint presentation or a keynote that starts with the basics. And it's a, it's a presentation you can craft over time. You can change it. You can do exactly what Angela mentioned. I can put examples of a patient that came in. She was 44 years old. Tell me what you see. Let's take a look at, and through that, we can calibrate because again, let me be a team member on the other side of things. If I don't know the mindset of this practice and I don't see examples and I'm not taught visually and all you're giving me are words, either from your mouth or on a piece of paper, I'm going to interpret that as best I can and probably not hit the mark. People have to learn things seven different ways, seven different times. And it includes visuals. I know for me, I'm a visual learner. I can't talk about bone loss unless you show it to me. And so what I might encourage you to do as a result of this podcast, I would share this podcast with your team members and then say, listen, we're going to create a simple, it doesn't have to be 56 slides. It can be 10 or 11 slides on mindset first, then staging and grading. And then we're going to go into the three concepts you can use to improve this. Uh, over time. Do you like that idea, Angela? I just came up with it. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we talk about clinical calibration, so it's not so much a new thing. This is a big thing, not only restoratively, but also what goes in hygiene. Our whole goal with this podcast is just to give you a framework about what you can do to improve your practice in your life. So, Ange, what would I put as far as the first concept on there to improve this? I think the first part is um, having everybody in the office figure out how to co-diagnose with their patients. So when I say co-diagnose, I don't want to be telling the patient after I've done a perio exam that they have periodontal disease. <laughs> I want to let them in on this, you know, signs, symptoms, things that I'm looking for when I'm looking in their mouth to check for periodontal disease. So I'm taking x-rays, I'm taking intraoral photos, I'm doing, you know, a periodontal screening and I'm saying the numbers out loud. So if I can include the patient in that, um, then they already know <laughs> that we're going to have a more serious conversation when I set their chair up. Yeah, so. absolutely. Now, let me speak to, I just want to piggyback on this because I love this. Co-diagnosis is not something you just get right away. You have to see it. You have to feel it. You have to experience it. And then like yoga or anything that you practice, you're always looking at how you get better at that. So we got to bring everybody along on this journey. So whether you have one hygienist or five hygienists, and I just thought of this, Angela, like in your PowerPoint, you could actually take your iPhone and you could take a quick video of somebody doing it, even if it was a hygienist on another team member to describe, here's how I approach co-diagnosis. And everyone go, that's so great. I love how you sat with the patient. Mm -hmm. Now... One of the slides could have this video embedded in it so that I know exactly what you're talking about. Again, what we want to do is bring everybody on this journey. But the co-diagnosis thing, I'll just warn you, that is not a concept that everyone just gets. You have to see it. You have to experience it. You have to feel it. And then you've got to constantly work on making it better. Um, don't you agree? Yeah. And it 
it makes people sometimes feel awkward. When I say people, I mean hygienists at heart. You know, we might all agree like, oh yeah, definitely patients should be involved in this diagnosis. But then when it really comes to like, we're gonna have to say these numbers out loud and we're gonna feel kind of silly <laughs> when we're calling out the numbers, like we have to get over that. And we have to agree like, this is the best thing for the, you know, for the patient. And this is going to help their understanding of their, their disease. Cause I've been in offices too, where, you know, we, we talk and we agree, and then you, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to say it out loud. And then, you know, we go to patient care and it's like, oh, well, I didn't want to say the numbers out loud this time because I didn't have an assistant to write them down for me, or I didn't have any voice activated software or anything like that. It's like, no, that's not the reason why you do it. You do it for the patient. So it's not silly to do the, to, to do that. And um, I feel like it saves a ton of time for the hygienist too. If they tell the patient what they're going to be looking for before they start the periodontal screening. So I would always say to my patients, and this is like, while I'm, while I have the chair up, you know, you're going to hear me uh, call up numbers. I'm going to say one, two, or three is healthy. Four is borderline. Five, six, or seven is a sign of infection. And I'm using the word infection because that's what it is. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, is a concern or anything like that. No, um, you know, five, six, seven millimeter pockets is a sign of infection. Also, I would say if you hear me say the word bleeding, then that's also a sign of infection. Um, and so if I would explain to the patient what I was going to be looking for before I would see them, then as I'm going along doing my perio chart, even if I'm saying them out loud, I know it seems like it's to myself, but really it's to them. And it's, you know, 323, 323, 324, 525, you know, then I'm going through the whole mouth and then I'm sitting the patient up at the end and they're the ones asking me, oh my gosh, what do I do about that? <laughs> so that's how it saves me time, even though it might seem like it takes a little bit longer, it really saves me time on the end. Yeah. It's so cool that you mentioned that. I've been doing this for 30 years. This is a huge opportunity in hygiene that's just not utilized. You might be listening to this podcast going, oh, we do this. Everybody can do it better. And even the best hygienists, I've sat in the chair. Two, three, two, four, two, five. I'm like, what did they say? And you got to remember, my brain is not tracking, waiting for this. My brain is drifting all over the place. And so mm -hmm. it's great to stop and go, ooh, five here and involve them. So it's really powerful when you can align on what's important and call it out. I love it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would even go as far as explaining, you know, I'm going to use a small ruler. I'm going to measure the space, you know, um, because if you don't explain those things to the patient beforehand and you try to do it the opposite where you're just telling them afterwards, then they're going to say, well, of course I'm bleeding. You were poking me, you know? Um, <laughs> so I think it's really important to kind of set the, set the stage from that standpoint too. Yeah. And get Not ready. For, you. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for all these responses because everybody gets them, you know, and be prepared to have some fun with it. And so um, it's, it's great to just be aligned in this. Now, the second mm -hmm. concept, uh, best idea, treat it now. Let's talk about that. What does that mean? So sometimes patients come into our chair thinking that they're going to get a routine prophylaxis. And 
mostly that's because that's what they scheduled for and that's what we've done the last 10 years. But that doesn't mean if the, you know, if what we're seeing today is different, that we have to go through that plan. Like the plan can change. (laughs) If we're seeing that gum disease, periodontal disease is progressing, we can stop, pause and have that conversation with patients. And that's what I see a lot when I'm working with hygienists and I'm guilty of this myself. I've done it a hundred times where it's just really easy to not mention it. Right. It's so easy to stay on schedule <laughs> and not upset the patient and not upset the admin team that I'm throwing more services in um, if I do what is on my schedule. And so that's super easy and we all do it, but that's not the best thing for the patient's health. And so that's what we have to focus on is, you know, we might have to shift that appointment. It might not be a preventative prophylaxis anymore. We, we may need to enter, you know, treatment or therapy or whatever you want to call your, um, periodontal treatment. (laughs) Um, we might have to shift into a different mode and stop and talk to the patient about that. And if the patient understands, then it's the best thing that we can do is to start treating that today. Yeah, I love it. So a couple couple things come to mind because we have to have the verbal skills, number one, to be able to do this. Even starting in hygiene and then also even at the front, if I'm a new patient, I just want my teeth clean. The person at the front has to share with them, if we can, we will. You know, there's no promises here. Also, you know, we, we get so in our heads, well, this patient can't afford it. I want to stay on schedule. I just found out about her family. She doesn't have any money. This is not going to work for her. And I think if you lean into what's the right thing to do and what's our, you know, what's our standard of care, if you always lean into that, you'll be, you'll be safe. And, in and patient, I like the word, oh, sorry. Kirk. Oh, no, go ahead. I want to hear. I was going to say, I like the word healthy. Yeah. So, you know, if you're healthy, we can. <laughs> and so because I don't want them to think like I'm just not wanting to do it or my schedule doesn't permit it or anything like that. It's like, no, I will do a prophylaxis if the patient's healthy. <laughs> right. And I think that's what we have to kind of think is not not simply like if we can do it, but if the patient has healthy enough tissue that we can do it. I love, I'm totally borrowing that from you now because so. it's true. If I'm a patient in there and I'm not healthy and you use the word infection, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that that doesn't fix itself. Mm-hmm. So in the office that I worked at for many years, our admin team did an excellent job at setting that stage from the initial phone call that that's not the type of appointment that they were scheduling. They did a really good job at explaining that the doctor was going to do a thorough exam, thorough comprehensive exam. We're going to take a full set of x-rays. And then, um, you know, we may or may not, (laughs) you know, get to this piece of it. And there were still folks though, that came into my chair with the, well, I just want my, you know, quote unquote, teeth cleaned attitude, even though they had already been told and, you know, they got through our gatekeeper and ended up on our schedule. So that would absolutely happen, but I could diffuse that pretty easily by saying to the patient, you know, I would start with like, this is all the stuff I'm planning on doing today. And then I would, I would broach the subject before they would, I would say, you know, I know that you told, you know, Judy up front that, that you wanted to get your teeth cleaned. 
However, if I find during my assessment that we need to spend time talking about you know, any disease or any cracked teeth or things like that, is it okay with you? So I was getting the patient's permission. Is it okay with you that we spend our time addressing those things? And the patient's like, well, yeah, of course. You know, they, I, I just kind of like trail off and just kind of like wait for their response. And every once in a while, like, you know, one out of a hundred, there would be like, no, I just want my tooth cleaned, you know, but usually when you, when you let it like that, they were very cool with like, well, yeah, that makes sense. If we need to spend time talking about disease or, or fractured teeth, like for sure we should do that. Um, and then the, you know, the one out of a hundred or whatever, then I would say, you know, okay, tell me a little bit more why this is so urgent that you want to have your teeth cleaned today. And it was really interesting. I, I remember this one lady, sorry, I'm just like going on and on, but <laughs> I remember this one lady um, in particular that had really bad perio and she had a wedding that weekend. And she said, you know, the reason why I came in is I didn't, I don't like this stain. Like, I don't want people to see that my teeth are brown. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can polish that off, you know, so I polished that off. And then, you know, a few days later, she came back and we did, you know, it was quite a series, but, you know, four quads of scaling and root planing. So, so sometimes a no isn't that they don't want the service. They just might have something else that they're, that they're thinking is most important. So it's just very rare that someone says no to actual, um, you know, rescheduling the profi part, if that's really what they came in for. Yeah, I love it. And over time, as you ask these questions, you're going to start to build a patient base of people that want what you can provide. That's the big question. People that don't want, you don't have to stalk them, push them super hard. All you have to do is offer the opportunity for better care and help them get healthy. You'll be amazed by how many people move up that ladder, right? Oh, yes, I'm shaking my head because Yes. And that's the, that's the problem is we don't even always offer it. Sometimes we just go like, okay, this is what they're scheduled for. So this is what I'll do. And we don't pause and, you know, really talk to them about like, gosh, I'm starting to see changes that are not positive changes. <laughs> like I'm, right. I'm seeing things that I'm not liking here. So, right. Yeah. So if you're a hygienist listening and you're like, okay, I want to Start moving down this path or making this path better for us. It doesn't have to be perfect. All you have to do is start a few, maybe even one or two patients a day. And so, Ange, if I'm a hygienist listening and I have a patient in the chair on Monday and they're on the fence. Okay, this is one of those middle ones. Like, walk me through this. And uh, it doesn't have to go perfect. But what do I do? Well, I think you have. I think you have a responsibility that you have to let them know what you're seeing. Um, so, you know, back to that co-diagnosis part, but, you know, assuming they are part of that and our understanding, then we kind of have a, a fork in the road. Um, we have to decide, are we going to treat this today in the patient's best interest? That's what we should do. Or are they on the fence? And, um, you know, for some reason they can't do it today. They need to, maybe just have a little bit better of understanding of what's going to happen if they don't treat this and things like that. And um, so that's what I kind of call like a delayed treatment, but I'm really big on 
still putting that treatment into the treatment plan and planning on that's our next visit. So I see that in offices that I coach too, they'll um, kind of threaten the patient for lack of a better word with, you know, okay, well, if you don't want to do this today, you know, you need to go home and floss better and use all these interproximal aids. And then they'll say like, you know, and next time we'll recheck it. Right. And I want to argue like, well, what are you going to be rechecking? Right. You know, they haven't been flossing in 10 years. <laughs> like all of a sudden we're threatening them and then we're going to, and then we're going to recheck and what we're going to find is they're going to look exactly like they did today. Right. And so I like to put that into the treatment plan because if we plan on it, then we can move into that type of appointment really easily next time. But if I don't, if I just schedule them next time for a quote unquote profi to check and see what they look like, I'm going to discover that they look the same. And then I'm going to be complicating the appointment with needing to grab the admin team to go over financials. I don't probably have enough time in my schedule today. So I like just to plan ahead. Like if they're, um, you know, if they're not looking like they're going to do it today, I want to plan and assume that that's what we'll do next time. So I might be scheduling 90 minutes for their next appointment. And I'm going to have the admin team go over financials. And so that when they're in my chair in three months, and I said three months, because I see that also too, is like, oh, well, we'll just keep you on six months. Like, no, you just told them they have periodontal disease. They need to come back is, you know, today is best, but, um, second best is, is three months from now. Um, so I want them to, I want them to have that expectation so that next time then in three months when they come on my schedule and I check to see what things look like <laughs> and they look the same, then I can go right into that procedure that I was planning on doing. And they're already prepared financially. They're already prepared with the time and it's really easy to transition those patients. Yeah, I love what you said. And this is for our, another podcast. Great reason <laughs> you can't be completely booked in hygiene for 13 months with just profi appointments. You've got to leave space for these things and then be smart enough to say, hey, look, the space is good. And we can fill it at the last minute with these things that are important to the health of our patients. So many great things happen. When you schedule intelligently. Now, we won't go down that path, but I just wanted to point a light on that. We have so many practices in the United States that we coach right now. None of them are not busy. All of them are way too busy with way too many patients working way too hard. And they say, we haven't booked out in hygiene for a year. And I'm like, that's terrible. And they're like, I know. So don't do that. Think better about your time and your schedule. Now, that's for another thing. And I was going to say, now we know the topic of our next podcast. We do, we do. But I, I want to go back to this. So if you're listening as a dentist or as a team member or as a hygienist, you can see Angela is helping the patient move forward with being healthy. You're not saying, hey, do you want to kind of do this? Maybe we're going to talk about this course in a minute. But Katrina Sanders was here. She's done a couple courses and you've heard her say this. And it was an epiphany for me. She's like, these are not suggestions for a better life or paint colors. We're prescribing treatment. Now, when she said that, I was like, whoa, can you, can you add some light to that? Like what, what, what was she really saying when she said prescription for treatment? Well, what we do is very serious. 
you know, it's not just a cleaning. And it's really interesting when I go into the offices that we coach, because I'll, I'll have a room full of hygienists, assistants, administrators, and I'll ask, you know, how many of your patients look like this? Or, or I'll ask them, you know, what does a healthy patient look like? And then they'll give me all the, the words. And then I'll switch and say, okay, um, how many of your patients look like that yesterday? And they'll say, I don't know, one, maybe we had that kid who was home from college, like he was healthy, you know, and that just blows the admin team away because then they're sitting there thinking, well, well, wait, like I charged out profies on everybody. And now I'm hearing today that the, the hygienists are saying that they weren't actually healthy. <laughs> so I think that that's really interesting and just getting, you know, kind of, again, back to calibration and getting everybody on the same page. But the reason why, Kirk, is like, it's just so important that we realize that we are treating the patient's you know, infections and we're keeping their mouths healthy. And it's not just that we're cleaning their teeth. Um, especially, you know, you mentioned Katrina, she talks a lot about in her course about the systemic health risks and complications. And, you know, we, we play a really important role in that. And I think that we just have to remember that sometimes. Yeah. I love the doctor that I go to and unfortunately he's going to be retiring soon, but he just tells me, Here's what we're going to do. I trust him. I love him. I'm sad that he's going to be retiring. He doesn't ask me, hey, I don't know, a couple things you might want to consider. He's like, listen, cut the sugar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, you need to start getting more sleep. And he told me one day, you're fat. And I was like, oh, gosh. Like Now, he said it with a lot of love, but I really love the guy. He doesn't say, hey, maybe... My point in saying that is that he's prescribing a better life and he looks fantastic. He's 66 years old. He looks phenomenal. I want to be him someday. And so I think that's important what you said, Ange, like these people trust us. They look for our guidance and prescribing and helping them with that path. They'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. And you'll provide a better service for everybody long-term. So good. I love, yeah, I love the weight. Um, you know, example, because I always think about that when I'm thinking about periodontal disease too, because no one comes in and gains, you know, 30 pounds in a year. Well, maybe some people, but it's the same thing for perio. You know, nobody goes from a three millimeter pocket to a seven millimeter pocket, you know, maybe with a, a crack or something like that. But for the most part, it happens very gradually. And I feel like that's the way weight gain happens too. It's just like a pound this year, a pound next year, a pound the year after that. But if our physicians don't recognize like, hey, Ange, <laughs> you know, you're 10 pounds heavier than you were, of, you know, 10 years ago when I first started seeing you and she never has a, that conversation with me, um, then all of a sudden I'm going to be 50 pounds bigger. And same thing with perio. Like if we aren't telling the patient and, and like, I'm noticing that this three millimeter pocket is bleeding. I'm noticing that now it's a four. Now it's a five. Like if we aren't talking about these small incremental changes that we're seeing and, oh, now you have a three, middle, three millimeter pocket that's bleeding, but now you're diagnosed with diabetes. Like if we aren't 
talking about these like slight changes that we're seeing every time they come in and we're just waiting for them to have a six or seven millimeter pocket, then, then we're doing a disservice to our patients. So, yeah, I love this. Can so you tell I, I'm passionate about this? I know you're passionate about it and I love it. I love it. And there's so many other um, shows we can do on the elements of this. And this is a really important concept that we teach our practices but also, if you're a dentist listening, you know this is crazy important. The healthier your patients get in hygiene, the more wonderful things that happen for them in the restorative schedule. We look at way too much data. And when we watch things get better in hygiene from a health standpoint, it's amazing how much patients want more of what you have. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. So yeah, fun. we always, yeah, we always see that and it's great good stuff. And so more good stuff along the way. So, Ange, I appreciate this. So thank you so much. Um, I'm going to encourage you guys. We mentioned Katrina Sanders and we have her back on a regular basis to teach our hygiene courses, our divisional events. She's going to be here in Milwaukee on October 5th and 6th. If you're looking for an opportunity to get everyone calibrated, there's nothing better than this. She's brilliant on the clinical side, on the verbal skills side, on the research side, she's funny. It's enlightening. It'll stress you out too. Um, she's gone all over the world for this education. And why would you try to figure it out yourself? Just sit yourself in a room and she's even a sommelier. I don't even know how that works, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> so we're going to put a link down into the show notes. So again, the jam around here is if you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. Flip up to the notes in this podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, doesn't matter. You're going to see a link to all the things that Angela and I shared during this podcast. And you're also going to see a link to that course on October 5th and 6th. I highly encourage you to check it out. It's one of those courses that sells out. She'll say things in a way that you've never heard them. You can't unhear them and you can get your entire team calibrated around them. So, Ange, thanks for being on today. Thanks, Kirk. It was great being here. Absolutely. So stick around when we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to The Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this podcast with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see, and we will line them up. And uh, until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.